Father, thank you so much that you're here tonight in our midst. The most important person in this house tonight is you, and you're with us all the time. We understand that, but we also know that when we come together in unity and we come hungry and thirsty for you, we know that you reveal yourself in, in unique and mighty ways. And tonight, it's our prayer that you would reveal yourself to each person here. I pray that you'd reveal yourself to me. I pray that you'd reveal yourself to every person in this house. So at the end of the night, we could leave here with two things, knowing, one, that the incorruptible seed of the Word of God has been planted on our heart, and two, that we are changed, we're different, and we're living victorious because of you. And we thank you tonight for helping us understand the Word, for helping me deliver the Word, and for encouraging our hearts tonight as we focus on your Word tonight. In your name we pray, amen. How many of you love the Word? Here's a question for you as we get started tonight. Are you ever frustrated by the gap between what the Word says and what you sometimes experience? Has anybody ever been frustrated by what the difference, you know, the gap between what the word says, but what you're actually on a day-to-day experience ex- experiencing. I've had a week or a couple of weeks where I've had a, the privilege of just encouraging, coming alongside people who are going through stuff, and uh, it's just, it just seems to intensify in the Christmas season too, but talking to friends, talking to family members, talking to people who just are living in what Pastor John calls the miracle space, that place in between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, the place where you both feel completely vulnerable and, and at the same time the place where you are most positioned to see a miracle. And that's why it's the miracle space. And so it just seems like lately, you know, sometimes someone has an issue and you can just encourage them with the word real quick. Hey, you know what? God said he would do it and this is what he said and this is what he did in the Bible and, and I went through it and you can go, you know, and you'll get through it just like I did. And it's really easy to encourage people. They go, oh, hey, thanks. I didn't realize that. Thanks. And then things begin to change and we all say hallelujah. And then there's times where you're ministering to someone and they're just going through stuff and you feel the weight of it because you care about them and you know that there's no trite little answer that's just going to magic wand it and make it all better, you know? And so I found myself in that kind of position in situations where it was like, it just, it's like, God, why are you taking so long? You know, have you ever asked that question before? I mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing to ask that question. God can handle it. You know, he loves it when we're honest. I think he, I think it bothers him probably when we're dishonest and we, we fake it. Well, he wants to hear our hearts. And so I just even found myself just saying under my breath, God, what what are you doing? I mean, this is a person who's done what you've called them to do, and they're believing for the miracle, and it just isn't happening. And it's not that they're just impatient, but it's that every single day this is costing them something, not seeing the fulfillment of what you promised. And I felt so inadequate. Do you ever feel inadequate helping people? I mean, I just felt so, <laughs> like Lamana says, yeah, I, feel, <laughs> I know you do, man, because you're up against some stuff when you're in, Mike reaches out in the prisons and young kids, but I just felt so inadequate sometimes reaching guys to find myself just kind of basically going, well, hey, man, I'm praying for you. Don't give up. I mean, I know God's going to, and I really do, I know God's going to come through, but then you're just kind of left feeling like, oh, man, I don't even know if I, if I made any difference there. I don't even know if I encouraged him. So it's been that kind of week, but I believe the message tonight that, that I was kind of flowing through and something that God's going to put in my heart for a while and then something I really, you know, had to put together here in the past day to get ready for tonight. I believe it's a message that will help alleviate some of that frustration. I believe it's a message that will give you something, whether it's for you or whether it's for someone going through stuff, it will give them a little bit more than just be warm, be filled, praying for you, love you. That's all great stuff, and it's true. But this is something that you can help people understand because at the end of the day, most of the time, the things that we struggle the most about, am I right, that it's usually about provision to accomplish the vision. 
You know, God has put you in a family. You need to provide for that family. God's given you a dream. You need to somehow figure out that dream and accomplish it. You know, God's, God's got you in difficult situations at work. You've got to have grace and wisdom to know how to, how, to, you know, how to be effective and do what you're called to do. And so I believe tonight's message, it's the word of God. And if you let it into your heart, I believe tonight it will um, encourage you where maybe you've been frustrated. But how many of you remember, it seems like it was a little while ago now, but it was like every time you turn on the TV, there was a commercial about strengthening your core. You got, I'm Billy Blanks, and you got to strengthen your core. You know, that kind of stuff, right? The problem is you need to strengthen your core. And it was all about core, core, strengthen your core. And I'm like, what is, I don't even know, what is the core? I, you know, I'm core. They call me core, you know. So what, strengthen your core. I'm, and, and so, and so uh, you know, I, I kind of had to figure out what that meant. We all were going through that, like, oh, what is this new thing, you know? And then basically this idea that in your midriff section, you know, is the place where basically it's your center. It's your center of gravity, and it's, you know, it's the place that supports your top of your body. It's the place that gives you agility. It's the place that gives you coordination. And if you're weak in this area, you're going to be vulnerable to injury and you're going to be, and you're just not going to be quick. You're not going to be able to, you know, how many of you know when you're out of shape, just sometimes even just getting out of a chair is like, and you begin to like, you know, you begin to reprioritize things like, well, I could get up and go over there and get that, or I could just wait until I have to go to the bathroom and then I'll just, <laughs> just multitask. And so, you know, there's probably something wrong with your core when you're making those kind of decisions on a day-to-day day-to-day basis. But, but tonight, I believe there's a spiritual application to this idea of a core, this idea that there's something at the very center of who you are that has to be fortified. It has to continually be made strong. It has to be understood so that it, you can support the vision that God's called you to run. You can support and be a part of the race. You can be a part of the game that he's called you into and not just sitting on the sidelines with excuses like so many. And tonight, I want to teach on, and it really is just a teaching, and it's really just a fundamental teaching on, on this idea of spirit, soul, and body. Now, if you're like me growing up, we just talked about body and soul. There was an old jazz standard called body and soul, and, and you always talk about soul and body, and soul and body, and mind and spirit, and all those things. And it wasn't until I really became a student of the Word of God that I realized that we are, at our very core, we are a three-part being. And the Bible teaches it very clearly. Now, there's very educated people who are smarter than I am, who know the word better than I do, that don't always teach it that way. Sometimes they teach two-part. And if you hear that, sometimes it's an issue of semantics. Sometimes it's an issue of spirit and soul being kind of wrapped into one. Don't worry about it. Not worth arguing about. But the Bible teaches that we're a three-part being. And it basically says this, and we're going to reinforce this tonight through the word. It basically says this. We tend to think of ourselves as being a body, you know, we have a mind, and then we believe the things that God says about us, that somehow we're the spirit being. But if you really rightly divide the word of God, that the, we are first spirit. Say, I am spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Now, that's the proper hierarchy of, of really how we live. And when we do it backwards, we run into all kinds of problems. But we have to remember that we are spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And it's an issue of alignment. We're going to talk about, when we talk about the core, when we talk about spirit, soul, and body tonight, we're talking about an opportunity to have right alignment, to have a strengthened core that will support you accomplishing the things that God's called you to accomplish. And so if you're frustrated, frustration many times is, is a symptom of not properly understanding and not having a right 
perspective about the things that you go through. I was uh, hanging out with Mark Hassett the other night briefly, and I came over uh, and to get my child. They were watching my baby, and, and, and I looked, and he was in the garage. And, of course, I said, what are, you, what are you doing, Mark? You know, it didn't have a microphone cable attached to it, so I had no idea what was going on. And, and, he, and it was a tie, he was replacing a tie rod. And, uh, and so I said, you know, and I know what a tie rod does, but I was kind of wa- very curious because I'd never seen that done. And like you, I've paid lots of money to have those fixed before. So the idea that he could just sit down in his garage for half an hour and do it made me a little frustrated. But you'd also know who to call next time. Mark Hassett is the number in the book. And, uh, and, so, and so I asked him about that. And I said, now, if I understand correctly, when you do these kinds of things, you have to get an, usually you have to pay for an alignment. Once they do things like this, you have to pay usually a lot of money, you know, 80 to 100 bucks for them to do an alignment to make sure that all your tires are going in the same direction. And I said, well, what do, you, do you know how to do that? He goes, no, I've never really done one of those before, but I, just, I was very careful not to mess up the alignment. I was very careful to count all the turns and rotations of the things that I did, and I'm just really believing that at the end of the day. He goes, now, when I get down the road, you know, in, in, in half a year, and I see this tire all worn out, I'll know that my alignment's off. And how many of you have a tire that's worn out in your life? I mean, how many of you are frustrated? How many of you have a, a pet peeve in the spirit realm, things that just bother you, things that are undone in your life, and you're just like, you know, and when someone starts to talk about it, instead of encouraging him, you commiserate with him. You say, yeah, I know. What is the deal with that? Why does God take so long? How come he doesn't answer our prayers sometimes and all those things? And, and many times, though, that kind of frustration is an issue of alignment. And so my hopes tonight is that we talk about spirit, soul, and body. We're all going to get a realignment. Now, some of you, this is brand new information and praise God for that. Some of you know exactly where I'm headed. You've heard this before. You took Determining Divine Direction and VBI and learned about this, but I learned about it too a long time ago. And you know what? I still end up frustrated sometimes. Sometimes I I get steered in the wrong direction of thinking that I somehow have to coerce and coax God to do the things that he promised in his word he could do instead of communing with him and receiving things from him that he's called me to do. So this is, uh, Watchman Nee has written a bunch of great books. He was a Chinese evangelist, lived in communist China, ended up in the early uh, 20th century. He was imprisoned for the last 20 years of his life because of being a Christian. Anybody here ever done that? Been imprisoned for being a Christian? Yeah. So what a great country we live in, amen? And for, for 20 years, from 1952 to 72, he finished his life in a prison cell because he loved Jesus and the communist China uh, did not agree with that. And so he wrote many great books, uh, made a great difference in the world evangelizing before he was in prison. And he's got some great books that we use in VBI. But I want to read you a couple of quotes from him tonight and a couple other uh, people in the Lord who just really so eloquently say this. Let me start with this. He says, understanding spirit, soul, and body is a critical issue in receiving the treasure of God's grace. How many of you know if you and I don't have grace, we don't have anything? Now, maybe you don't know what that means tonight, and hopefully we'll communicate that to you tonight, but the grace is the free gift of God that removes the separation that sin created between you and God. And so he says that it's the, it's the critical issue in receiving the treasure of God's grace. Its understanding is the key that unlocks the treasure chest of these riches. It can, and it inevitably is, an issue of life or death. So when we talk about spirit, soul, and body tonight, we're not just talking about some heady lecture. We're not just talking about theology and pontificating and and waxing theological. We're talking about issues that really can save your life. We're talking about issues that can bring upon breakthrough into your life. We're talking about issues that can cause you to leave this place and be different in the way that you deal with the things that you come across in life. So um, my, my other question for you tonight is this, and this really is an important question. You don't have to answer it, but this is a very important question in your mind, in your heart to answer. Do you or don't you 
believe that, now through God's gift, secured by Jesus, upheld by the Holy Spirit, this gift of grace, do you or don't you believe that you currently have everything that you need to accomplish, everything that God has called you to accomplish? Now, you can answer that both ways, not fully understanding what I'm asking. But tonight, we need to wrestle with the question and we need to come to terms. Do I believe that God has already given me everything that I need to follow him and accomplish his plan for my life? Or do I believe that I'm somehow incomplete? And do I believe that I somehow now, now my whole life is about dotting the I's and crossing the T's and trying to do the right things and trying not to mess up and trying not to do these taboo things and trying to make sure I get into church regularly? And do we believe that's what it is to lay hold of the promises of God? Or do we believe that when, when we receive Jesus, like Pastor Pam says so many times, you, you receive everything. And I'm going to talk about how that's true tonight because some of you are already saying, well, I don't feel like I have everything. That's okay. We're going to show you tonight how you do. If you don't believe this, you'll know it by the fact that you're frustrated. You'll know it by the fact that you have doubts about what God says. You'll, you'll assume that God hasn't given you everything you need and therefore your whole life now is kind of this who moved my cheese rat race, you know? just got to get the right combination. And if I just oh, do the right thing, and if I just say, and if I don't ever look back, and, and then somehow I'm going to finally run into everything that God has. See, what happens is I've been that way. You know, what, what's happened is when my alignment has gotten off, when my core has become weak, what happens is I begin to move into this performance mode. And maybe you relate. We get into this performance mode where all of a sudden now, when I seek God, I'm begging. You know, when I come into his presence, I'm asking him for a lot of things because in my, in my core, I feel incomplete. I, I'm focused on what I'm lacking and not on what I have. And my prayers become very much, God, I need you. God, I need you. I need you to do this. I need, and yes, we do need God. But when you understand spirit, soul, and body, you realize, and I'm going to give you the answer to your question, in through the spirit man, through the Holy Spirit of God, we have everything that we stand in need of. Well, how could how could that be true if we don't, in our hands, have enough money, if we, if we haven't seen the breakthroughs yet, if we haven't seen the people come to the Lord that we're praying for on our top five list? I mean, how can that be? Because it's, it happens in the spirit realm. It's already been deposited in the spirit realm, and our life is about accessing that, not through pleading, but through faith. And that's what we'll be talking about tonight. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. This is one of the key scriptures that helps us understand why we are three-part being. In case you want to know what the word says about it, they'll put it on the screen too. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. That's a prayer. That's, that's God's heart for you, that he would be able to make you holy in every way and make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. He says that he would make us holy in every way, spirit, soul, and body. And then turn to Hebrews 4.12, or you can read it on the screen. Just read it on the screen. It's quicker, right? It says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of what? Soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It says that the word of God is what divides soul, and spirit. So that again shows you that soul and spirit are two unique things because they can be divided. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Let's start by talking about the spirit man. Again, now this is a teaching tonight, so put on your thinking caps, take notes. This is going to help you in your life. In Galatians 2, 7, it says, Lord God, or I'm sorry, Galatians, Genesis 2, 7, say, in the beginning, 
In the beginning, Genesis 2-7, this is how we, you and I, come into existence, right? It says that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life. And there's something interesting about that I'll show you in a second. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So first thing God does is he takes, and it's interesting, he takes it from the ground. He kind of shows you where we come from. He kind of shows you the importance of the body. The body comes from the dust of the earth. Body's temporal. It's from the earth. It will return to the earth. It is the low man on the totem pole in your life, and you'll see as we get into that. But it says that he formed man from the dust of the ground, but then this is, this is what's amazing. He breathed the breath of life into man. And what happened was, when you study this word life, and I, don't, I forgot to find out how it's pronounced. I'm so sorry. I didn't do my homework here. But the word is C-H-A-Y. Che, chai, I, I don't know. But it's C-H-A-Y, and, it's a, and it's, a, it's a Hebrew word for life. But what it means, it's inherently meaning it's a plural thing. It, it means two kinds of life. So again, soul and spirit. It means that something hidden, something invisible that you just can't put your finger on was, was born into man. Once the body was there, a spirit came. And when that spirit collided with bo- the body, there became a medium, there became a buffer called the soul, which straddles right in between body and spirit. Now, this is important to understand because, because soul is, is the part that you and I have a part in affecting. It's the most critical area of our life. It really is, if spirit, soul, and body is the core, it is the core of the core. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it is literally the most important part of your life because it's the part that you can influence. It's the part where you choose. And how many of you know at the end of the day, God did not create us robots. He created us with choice, right? So he breathed life into us. We became made in the, spirit, in the image of God. Have you ever wondered, well, wait a minute, does God have brown hair and brown eyes and a little bit of little Debbie around the waist. I mean, does no, right? He, he's made, he is spirit. The Bible says God is spirit, right? And so, and, and those that worship him have to worship him in spirit and truth. They have to connect to the spirit realm to even understand who he is. And that has to be guided by the truth of his word to rightly understand the spirit. And we'll talk more about that as we go too. But for God is spirit so that those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So what happened was we are created, we are filled with the life of God, created in his image, perfect, blameless, in complete communion and contact with him. The way that he had designed us, that we would live every single day of our life with our spirit man completely taking control of our mind, will, and emotions, completely taking control of the actions, the things we say, the things we do, and as a result, us living an amazing type of blessed life, having everything that we need when we need it, and having perfect communion with God. That was the plan, but how many of you know we weren't created robots? And what happens when given the choice in the, in the arena of our soul, in the arena of our mind, will, and emotions, we had a decision. Do I really believe what God said? Or am I going to allow the things that I see and feel and things that are happening around me to begin to influence what I think about God? Now remember, the spirit is separate from flesh. The flesh can't discern the spirit. The, the discernment of the spirit has to happen in our mind and will and emotions as the word of God transforms us, right? So your body can't say, did, I mean, with any authority, your body can't say, well, did God really say that? I mean, that was, the, that was the enemy's lie, right? Did God really say you couldn't eat of that tree? Who are you? You're just part of creation. How can you even understand? How can you discern what's the will of God in the situation? So what happened was we sinned. We made a mistake. We went against God. We elevated creation over the creator. And what happened was something very profound happen is that we became cut off 
from that spirit man. We became cut off from the part of us that really connects and can freely enjoy the things that God would have for us through the spirit man. So spirit, soul, and body, but, but like a deactivated spirit. And that's what happens is when you and I, before we knew Jesus, we were created with this intention to have this three-part, but we have no understanding or connection to the spirit man. So we're just left kind of just trying to figure out things based on what we see and feel. But as you say, you can't discern the spirit from the flesh. And how many of you know there's people in this world today that have no connection to the spirit of God, but they have all kinds of opinions about who God is and what he says, and they're saying that same thing that the sermon did. Did God really say, he really said that you can't marry that person? Did God really say you can't say that or do that? Or did God really say it was okay to do that? And now you have all kinds of people appointing themselves as authorities in the world about God, but they're not even connected to him. And that's why it says in the Bible that the wisdom of God is foolishness to man apart from God. So the soul becomes a very important buffer between spirit and body. Jesus said in John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, if you're like me, I used to just, that to me just meant when I, go to, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, right? I'm never going to get to see the pearly gates if I don't accept Jesus. But what he's saying is you can't even see the kingdom, you can't even understand the kingdom of God. I've, I'm doing something on earth. I'm releasing the kingdom of God on earth with signs and wonders and, and creative Holy Spirit wisdom, but you, don't even, you won't even know it because you're not connected. You haven't received Jesus. He hasn't made your spirit man come alive, and that's exactly what happens. In Romans 10, 9, Paul says that you become, sa- you become saved by, by speaking with your mouth, confessing with your mouth, and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And what happens when you do that? You confess, so someone tells you, someone shares the good news, and you believe it, and so you say, you, and then maybe at, at the end of a church service like this, say, Jesus, I'm... I want you to be the Lord of my life. I have jacked this thing up. I've made a mess, but I know that you're, my, you're the way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. I know that you can do it in me. I, it doesn't mean that everything's just all of a sudden going to be fixed and perfect in my life. It's a process. It's a first step, but I believe that in that step is the ability to now become and move in the direction of who you would have me to be. So the issue of becoming saved is not a performance issue. It's not a, I mean, how many of you felt before, I just got to do all this stuff so I can be saved? It's not a performance issue. It's a faith issue. What Paul's saying in Romans 10, 9 is if we want to become saved, it's by faith. It's not by works. It's not, how many of you heard someone say, I'll be back to church when I get my life together? You know, let me know. Let me know how that goes. If any of you think, I mean, I just, I'll speak for all of it. I cannot get my life together without being in church. You know what I mean? So, well, I'll just be back to church when I get my life together. You know, it's funny, Pastor John, I don't know. Does anybody ever come back and say, hey, I got my life back together. I'm here. I'm, I, don't, I don't think I've ever met that person. And so, you know, it, it's just, it's, that's a performance type of mentality that if I'm good enough that God will accept me. But it's an issue of faith. You speak with your mouth and you, and you believe in your heart and you will be saved. And so what happens is when we become born again, this is just fundamental good news gospel teaching here, but when we become saved, that spirit man that God desired for us to be connected to him through, that comes alive. So when you stood down here at this altar and you raised your hand and said, Jesus, come into my life, you may have not felt warm and fuzzies. Maybe you did. You might not have left here really feeling any different, but you know what happened on the side of you? Your spirit man came alive. Something that was dormant and it was merely potential became kinetic. Something became alive. And what happened was you now, the door, the gate opens, and you would now have the ability that when you pray, you have the ability to begin to hear God. You have the ability to receive from him specific wisdom. You have the ability when you open up the word of God to understand not just the words on the paper, but the spirit behind how it's read. That's what happens when your spirit man comes alive. 
And it's so important to understand that because if we don't understand that, we end up frustrated with a weak core, right? So the spirit man's perfect. And let me read this to you, encourage you, and then we'll talk about this for a second. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18. We've got that up on the screen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. What is he? What is he? A new creature. Do you believe that tonight about yourself? Do you believe that when you got saved, you are a new creature? I mean, we wrestle with that sometimes, don't we? But that is the truth. Any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This version says, are become new. It's not the way we normally talk. It doesn't say will become new. It said are become new, has become new, might be the way that we might say it in our modern vernacular. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed. All the excuses, all of the residue, it's passed. All things are new. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect overnight. It means that you have a new beginning and all the excuses have been removed and the process begins. And so what happens is when you, when you read the word and we say in a service of victory, we have the resurrection power of God through Jesus, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. And you're like, yeah, I don't feel that. I don't, I, I don't you know. I go to the hospital and I pray for someone. Man, we just thank you, Lord, for the resurrection. Well, when you say resurrection power of Jesus that raised Christ from the dead, I mean, you're, you're picturing something Hollywood. I mean, you're picturing something huge. And, and, and many times, nothing happens. Nothing apparently seems to change. Well, then how can this be true if we're not experiencing it? And that's how we started tonight. Do you ever wrestle with the difference between what the Word says but what you're currently experiencing? Well, this is part of the answer to understanding what's going on. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. But in your spirit, man has already been deposited the power that raised Christ from the dead. It's like your DNA. When you're born, you have a DNA strand that's unique to you. And in that DNA is the complete programming for everything that your body will ever need for the rest of its life. The, uh, knowing how to grow, knowing how to age, knowing, how, I mean, it's all there. It's not like you have to go for supplements every now and then to get more code to finish the rest of your life. It's like a DNA. So, so the spirit man is the spiritual DNA on the inside of your life. If you can get that, it might be for me. Just tell them I'm busy right now. And so if it, <laughs> it's where the fruit of the spirit's available. <laughs> it's where the fruit of the spirit is available, Right? So if you struggle with, the Bible says that you have the spirit of self-control. You have gentleness and meekness and kindness, and you're like, bless God I do, with your teeth clenched, right? Right? We've all been there. But it says, well, I don't feel it. The Bible says I have it, but I certainly don't feel it right now. Release your clenching hands. You need blood flow down there. Oh, okay. But why, then how come the Bible says we have it if we don't feel it? Because it's in the spirit man. He's already deposited. It's a part of our genetic code. We just have to lay hold of it. We just have to press into it. We just have to receive it, not as beggars, but as surrenderers. <laughs> that says, like Pastor John said so eloquently at the end of Sunday service, how many of you know when you're holding on to something, whether it be an offense or a frustration, you can't receive what God has for you because you're so busy holding on. And so he, in, a, in just a beautiful moment, so many of you just raise your hand and let it go and I believe began to receive from the spirit man. See, the spirit man in your life is the part that's connected to God. It's the part made in the image of God. It's, the part, it's not something that you can mess up. Hallelujah. Yeah. Your spirit man's not something you can mess up. It's not something you can taint. 
And that's why that's the part that, that gets you saved. That's the part that God seals by the Holy Spirit. That's the part that's now connected with God, the part that says you belong to God and he belongs to you. And it doesn't matter what you say to your wife. It, it does, but it doesn't, you can't change it because of what you say. It doesn't matter if you kick the dog. It doesn't matter if you miss church. Now, don't edit that out and say that it doesn't matter you go to church. But I'm saying that those things are not salvation issues. The issue, salvation is faith. And if there is a way to lose your salvation, it's not going to be because you kicked the dog and said a swear word. It's going to be because you gave up your faith. And I don't know. You know, there's lots of different ways to look at that. Don't lose your faith. Don't give up on your faith. And so the fruit of the Spirit's there, the power that raised Christ from the dead. And I'm telling you what, this spirit man cannot be accessed by your five senses. And what happens is the times where we get the most frustrated is when we begin to start weighing what God said with what we're feeling as if somehow these two things are connected. But, but the Bible says that flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. What it's saying is these are two apples and oranges, man. They are totally different things. And if you're merely waiting on a spiritual experience, waiting to feel it, what you're probably feeling is just warm and fuzzies from the music. What you're probably feeling is, is goosebumps. You're not feeling the spirit of God. And the spirit of God, you feel the spirit of God by looking into the word of God and believing what it says. And it becomes your new reality. And like it says, the Bible says you look in, in, in water and it's like a man looking in the water and reflecting and seeing. You see the true you when you read the word of God, not when you look in the mirror. The real you is what the word says about you, not what you feel in your life. Let's talk very briefly about body and then we'll conclude with soul. Body, there's not much you really have to say about it because here's the deal. Jesus said in John 6, 63, it's the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. Now, this is not a message that says your body is just horrible. You're just, you're stinking flesh. I mean, you know, it's all how you look at it, but here's the thing about your body. It's the part we see. It's the part that glorifies God that's visible to people. The body is really important. Now, it's the part of us that's going to war against, you know, it has its own mind, man. It wants to do things like Paul says that you shouldn't do. And it's got all the time trying to tell you, just like the serpent in the garden, trying to tell you what God said, trying to tell you that you, you know, I mean, if you wait until your body to tell you that you want to get up at 5 a.m. and go running, I'm telling you what, you're going to die a heavy person because your mind, your mind is never going to tell you that, <laughs> you know. So the body is, is not going to help you out. It's, it, the body needs to be told what to do. Because it is an instrument. That piano doesn't play itself. That piano is an instrument. It has to be played. You know, and if I wait for it to play me a song, I mean, you might as well just bring my casket right in here because it's going to be a long wait, you know? So he said, uh, the flesh profits nothing, but the body is an instrument to glorify God. It's the part that, that, that people see God by in our lives. I mean, you are the most real Jesus becomes to people until they know him personally. You're what they got. You go to work, that's Jesus. That's Jesus to people. And let me tell you, if you don't, haven't already figured out, everybody's watching you. You may think you have no influence. You may think that no one, everyone's watching you. Everyone is deciding whether God is who he says he is or not based on the way that we live our lives. Isn't that sobering? The good news is the Holy Spirit of God will help us do that. So the body is, is <laughs> problematic, but it's also a great potential to be an instrument, to glorify God, to, to make attention to him, and to be a part of the miracles that he wants to be in our life. Let's conclude with soul. Um, the soul, again, this is the core. And I put it last because this is the important. This is the umpire. I mean, this is where the great stuff happens is in the soul. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. I was listening to Andrew Womack the other day, and he also added the conscience and the imagination. It's all of those things that are intangible, but they're very real, and they have everything to do with who we are and who we become. And he, Andrew Womack used this analogy to understand, and I think this is maybe the best analogy I can bring you tonight, about how the soul 
sits in between spirit and body and makes the decision of which way that your life is going to go, in the, in the direction of flesh or in the direction of spirit. He says it's like a faucet, and heaven has everything. And we can picture that, right? It's like a river. It's the abundance. I mean, everything that you stand in need of has already been deposited into your spirit man. The Holy Spirit connects to that. It is the throughput to the rest of your life. But the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, imagination, and conscience is the faucet that we, you and I, have to decide whether we're going to open and let it change everything about how we think and, and eventually how we speak and act, or we close it with doubt, and then what happens is the body begins to, because of no resistance, because of no current, what happens? The body starts having an opinion about everything. Hey, you know, I think you should do this. Hey, I think you would really be satisfied if you did this. And how many of you know the worst things that we've got ourselves into have been decisions that our bodies <laughs> convinced, somehow convinced our mind, will, and emotions that that would be a great idea, and it, and it just wasn't. And um, let me tell you, here's another thing Watchman Nee said. What the man is depends on how his soul is. His soul represents him, and it expresses his individuality. It is the organ of man's free will, the organ in which spirit and body are completely merged. If man's soul wills to obey God, it will allow the spirit to rule over that man as ordered by God. Listen to what the Bible says about the heart. It uses the heart. I think, you could, I think it's safe to say you could make the heart the soul. You know, the heart is something that can become corrupted. So we know the heart isn't the spirit man. So I would say it's the soul. And this Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen says, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. So your heart, your soul, it's the you. I mean, it's, it may not, in its current condition, it may not represent the full potential of what God wants to do, but I'll tell you what, it is. It's what you're thinking about. It's how you're looking at things. It's your perspective, and it has a lot of authority into what you end up doing in the direction that you go. It's like that faucet, making a decision. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This core determines, it's, it's literally the direction that you're going to head has everything to do with the condition of this core that we're talking about, your soul. Proverbs 17.20 says, the crooked heart will not prosper. So if you were wondering about how to prosper, well, a crooked heart apparently is not the way. The heart, the crooked heart, that's a heart that has not been tended to. That is a heart that has just been left for weeds to grow up in. And, and no one's caring for it. And then all of a sudden, we're hoping that somehow we can wave a wand and it's all of a sudden going to be producing great fruit in our life. But that's not how it works. Matthew twelve thirty four says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. David said, or it wasn't David actually, it was one of the, the psalmists in Psalm 119, said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So the ability to not sin rests largely in part of this soul, this mind, will, and emotions. Now, how do you get your mind and emotions? How do you open the faucet? How do you get your mind and will and emotions to begin? Well, the Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, some of you, that might be hard to believe. Could my mind be changed? I mean, I have been like this since the womb, man, I have had, they've always said, you've got your father's temper, you've got your, you know, could I ever be different? And yes, sometimes there's things that we do in our bodies that can literally reprogram the way our minds work. And yes, it's a very difficult battle. That's why they say the battle is in the mind for that very reason. 
But, but through the power of connecting to the spirit man, God can reprogram. God can restore, reboot from your spiritual DNA, the way things were supposed to be for you. He can re-energize you and begin to put you back on. I don't care what they say about you. I don't care what the diagnosis is. I don't care what that drug did to brain cells. I don't care what that negative thinking did. I'm telling you what, God created you. He can fix you. And we just have to submit to his timing and his wisdom to know how to do that. But that is his heart since the beginning of time to fix us. Now, when our, spirit is gr- when our spirit is greater than our soul, when our spirit is influencing our soul, man, we are worshiping the creator. When, we are, when our soul is trying to manipulate our spirit, man, when our soul is trying to take charge, we end up worshiping the creation. And some of the most heinous things that we see in our society right now are really issues of worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Taking the creation, being divided from the spirit man, not having the wisdom of the spirit, and saying, well, this creation is good. God created it. Why can't we have it? Why can't we indulge in it, right? And what happens is we elevate the creation. But what happens when they elevated creation in the garden? What happened? Enmity with God. A wall came, and it wasn't until Jesus came that that wall was broken, and by faith that we are grafted back in to that kind of covenant. So this is what you do tonight if you want your core to be strong. One, see your, here's just a few things, okay? One, see your body as an instrument to glorifying God. Realize that your body counts. Your life counts. It really is important that you take note, and it's important that you wake up in the morning and say, yes, sir, reporting for duty, because God has called you to glorify him in his body. There are people's salvation that is resting in the balance of whether or not you're going to look like Jesus tomorrow at work. Literally, I'm not being dramatic. Literally, salvation is in the balance. Like that quote from Watchman Nee, it's a life and death issue when we have, uh, and the good news is this, a two, just like in Congress, a two-thirds majority wins. When you get your spirit man, which has already made up its mind, it's following God, when you get your soul, your mind, and will, and emotions in agreement with, with the spirit man, I'm telling you, you have a majority, and it's just a matter of time before that body gets kicked into shape, you know? When you get convinced it's time to go to the gym, and you set your clothes out the night before, and you got your iPod already, and you've set the alarm, and I'm telling you what, you, it's, it, you just do it. You don't, you don't wait and lay there and say, body, what do you, you feel like? What should we do? You know, you, don't, you make up your mind before your head hits the pillow, and you move in the direction. So here's what you do. One, illuminate. I know I already started numbering. Forget the numbering. Just write down what I'm saying. Illuminates. Psalm 51.10. I probably say this psalm more than any other psalm. God, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit, a steadfast spirit. Renew in me a right spirit. That's what you do when you mess up. That's what you do when you fall down. You say, up, do over, mulligan, start. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit, God. And, and so what we do is we illuminate. We ask the Holy Spirit through your spirit man. We give permission to the Holy Spirit. Illuminate. Holy Spirit, would you just turn the lights on and <laughs> show me, just, just expose it all, the good, bad, and the ugly. I'll find out that my great highlights aren't as good as I think they are, and I'm going to find out that there's a whole lot of other stuff that I've been rushing under the rug that needs to be dealt with. But God, it, with his, in his loving way, will absolutely begin to help you see what is going on in your life. If you're not having the victory, if you're dealing with poverty, if you're dealing with, with, with a bad self-image of yourself— you need to ask the Holy Spirit, turn the lights on in my life, illuminate, show me what is going on because this is clearly not the way that you've called me to live. And number two, re- begin to receive his forgiveness. When he turns the lights on, he doesn't just stand there and go, ha, 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 ha. What does he do? He says, now, now that you know what you need of, now you realize how much you need me, allow me to give you forgiveness. Allow me to renew you. Allow me to heal you. Allow me to inspire you to go to step three, which is receive and draw upon the fruit of self-control. I'm telling you tonight, it's not something you have to grasp in the dark for. The fruit of self-control, the fruits of the Spirit, they have already been deposited in your spirit man. If Jesus is your Lord, 
that the, the separation has been removed, and now we just need to pray. Now we need to fix our mind on the Word of God and believe what we read in the Word more than what we see in our checkbook, what we feel in our bodies. We believe the Word. It becomes our new mirror. And every morning we put a, when we say, we say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He loves me. He's my friend. He's in covenant with me. He's for me. Nobody can be against me. You know, I have that mind of Christ. And that's what we do. We begin to get a new vi- uh, image of who we are. And we draw on the self-control because the self-control is what it takes to tell the body to take a hike. It's what it takes to tell the body, no, we're not going to go to that place tonight. No, we're not going to look at that thing. No, we're not going to say, no, we're not going to give them a piece of my mind. You know, if you, if you really feel like you can justify giving somebody a piece of your mind, you've probably already given away too many pieces because that is generally not a good idea. Speaking as one who knows. Four, believe and act. Then you got to believe. I mean, you just have to believe it. He'll show you. But now it's like, do you believe it? That was our first question. Do you believe that everything that you have in need of has already been given to you through Jesus Christ? Do you believe that you're not lacking any good thing? Do you believe it? If so, then you need to begin to act. And one of the biggest ways, there's a lot of different ways I could expound on this, but I'll just tell you this tonight because I think this will hit home with a lot of you. Surround yourself with people who also believe and act. Surround yourself with people who are going in the direction you want to go in. It's just so important. So many of the most heartbreaking stories and people I hang out with and people who get a little piece of the victory here and then two weeks later they're gone and then everything's falling apart. What happened? Went right back into my circle. You know, I thought I was going to take something to them, but I wasn't ready. And then they influenced me. And next thing I know, I'm questioning what even God said. And that whole experience at church was like, ah, maybe that was just something I ate, you know. And, and, and then we lose it. So believe and act. You must believe and act. And you must hang out with people who are believing and acting. And here's point five. And I put it on here intentionally. Learn from your mistakes. You're going to make lots of them. Say it with me. I'm going to make lots of mistakes. Tons of mistakes. I'm going to sin. I'm going to mess up but I'm going to get up and I'm going to ask forgiveness. And so here's the thing. Learn from your mistakes and keep going. It's just, let me, I just told you so that you won't be surprised when it happens. When you make a mistake tomorrow, when you lose your cool and you say something, okay, it happens. Start over. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. Thank you, Spirit Man. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to my soul. Thank you for changing. Lord, I get into your word today, and I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm beginning to see myself differently. I'm beginning to see my situation differently. Holy Spirit, have your way. Illuminate the things in my life. Show me what to do. I receive healing and cleansing from you. I receive inspiration to go out and do the things you've called me to do. And don't expect your feelings to reinforce anything that I'm telling you. So tomorrow when you're not feeling it, tough doesn't matter. You won't feel it. But what you do is you connect your spirit man and you allow two-thirds, say it with me, two-thirds makes a majority in my life. Why don't you stand up on your feet tonight? And in a second, I'm going to ask Pastor John actually to come pray for you. I just feel to do that, but I want to I read you this last quote. It says, the Christian life isn't a process of getting from God. It is a process of renewing your mind and learning to release what you've already received. Do you believe you've received him tonight? We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and his gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. 
I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.